3: Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Ghost Chronicles, Next Generation. I am Ron Kolick, your host today, keeping a realm of the unknown, the unbelievable, the mystical, the magical, the macabre, New England's own Van Helsing, and with me, all the way from East Bridgewater, who is hopefully surviving this brutal snowstorm, is the, who is she? Oh, the Bob bobshell ah. herself. And Kerrigan. But, oh, thanks. You forget
4: all about me. Nice. Yes. Nice, yeah. nice, nice. I'm doing wonderfully. Thank you. I have recovered and, and come back from the jaws of death. Mm-hmm. Uh,
3: don't don't but, laugh. I mean, this, this flute that's going on is pretty, pretty, pretty bad.
4: No kidding. No yes. kidding. My voice is still not right. I still got a little tail end of it. The antibiotics knocked it mostly out of me, but anyways, oh, right. <clears throat> late in the day, it catches up with me again, but anyways,
3: yeah, I- that's the uh, the flu is like I just saw today that two, they talked to us about two instances. One was a young boy that went to New York to play in a hockey game, and then uh, he wasn't feeling good. They took him to the hospital, and they told him, uh, you know. You better go home. So he they, they drove back to Connecticut and died shortly after.
4: Oh my and, God.
3: And the other one was a 42 year old um, mother of, uh, from California who, uh, 48 hours, she was dead. Oh my God. That's horrible. Yeah, it's it's brutal. There's been a huge amount a number of deaths. It's that's kind that's of quiet. Really,
4: that's terrifying mm-hmm. that a disease could knock you down and out like that. Yeah. Bam, bam, boom, gone
3: yeah that's why I've always had this little i don't f- afraid of too many things, but this the spinal meningitis is always like oh oh yeah, but, that's yeah. frightening yes yeah, i know it's really frightening
4: i my uh one of my nephews had that um uh, survived yes
3: oh that's good
4: um yeah years and years ago, but it's yeah it's crazy, it's just crazy, but uh on a lighter note, on a lighter note, you there probably a got a lot. You probably got a lot more snow than I did. Mm. We just got a dusting.
3: Oh, that's good. Anyway, <laughs> joining us now is New England's scary godmother and my co-host, one of my co-hosts from the morning show, is Roxy Zeca.
5: Good evening, all. Hi, hey. Roxy. <laughs> Roxy <Greetings laughs> from the, the Great White North here. Yeah, yeah, Roxy, Roxy is
3: also well. the uh, proprietor of New England curiosity check out our website which is New England curiosity is it .com, eh?
5: yeah New com. there
3: you go so there you go so thank you uh, for joining us today and uh, last week we played a couple of clips and I've got some pretty good feedback on it from that's from Jeff Belange's uh, legend tripping and I have uh, some tonight that I thought would fit in well because uh, Roxy is from Portsmouth, New Hampshire. And the first clip that we have actually comes from Portsmouth, New Hampshire. So, Rory, uh, if you could play that for us, that'd be great. <laughs> if you're listening. Maybe.
4: <laughs> Well you jumped in really fast there. Did I really? Well, I you know, it's seven oh five and we just introduced our guest.
3: <laughs> yeah, well the clip is long, so I figured we'd get it out of the way. So I'll oh, just uh, send a little message out to Roy. Uh well anyways. Yeah, good Roxy,
4: how you been?
5: <laughs> I've been good. It's a new year, you know. There's lots uh, of exciting no. things on the horizon.
4: Yeah, you always look so busy on your on your your Facebook.
5: <laughs> because there's always there's always a lot going on. I don't like to sit still. I'm, I'm sure Ron can tell you that. I'm always mm-hmm. always coming up with
3: something else to do. And there's mm-hmm. a, there's always a new ghost story to to follow after. This is true. <laughs> yeah, she always. Does the research, which is really good. She's got so many. How many books you get out there? Actually, it's quite a few now, right?
5: I have
4: seven, and I'm working on two more.
3: Yeah, God bless.
4: Oh it. my goodness! What are the two more? What are they about? To uh, finish
5: my cemetery series, I have my Massachusetts Book of the Dead and the New Hampshire Book of the Dead. So I'm working on uh, Maine and Vermont right now, and then. Sometime in the future, I'm going to round it out with Connecticut and Rhode Island. So I've got a, awesome. a lot from Maine and Vermont right now that's just waiting in the wings. So mm-hmm. i got to get those into the book.
4: Mm-hmm. Awesome. Can't wait to see them the yeah. of a Cemetery, as you know that.
5: <laughs> of course. <laughs> digging, up, digging up the
3: stories just like I am.
4: Ah. <clears throat> Excuse me.
3: <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so bad. Uh, yeah, I know, right? You know, what's funny is, is uh, speaking of Vermont is I, I just received an email from some group up there that, uh, I don't know, Got did some investigation, the house is is possessed by a demon. and oh, yes. uh, He scared the crap out of the people, and uh, he wants me to help him with this. Like, uh, I don't know, it's it, something wrong there. People just take this so lightly and jump in. It, it just irritates me at times. So
4: they just assume that there's a demon.
3: Well, there's a whole bunch of stuff that went on, and, and uh, so forth. But whatever, it's just uh, it's just sad that's all the the state of the paranormal. Some so many groups join it because they think it's just fun, and you know they see it on TV, and it's no no big deal. But there is some nasty stuff up there out there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if you read the first Ghost Chronicle books that we write, we, we talk about the exorcisms that we attended uh, and uh, also a couple other cases that were really nasty as well. So, uh, yeah, you just can't go out there thinking, oh, there's nothing out there. You don't have to really, I've seen this on TV, but you, you really have to, uh, you know, be careful with what you do anyway. Uh, anyways... I have been told that it is already the play, so let's play our first episode from uh, Jeff Bollinger.
2: Well, this is a fine little museum here in downtown Portsmouth, New Hampshire, but why are we here, Jeff? We're looking for a quilt ray, and it's an old one. It dates back to 1768. Wow, but what's so special
1: about it? Well, it once belonged to Ruth Blay, and she holds the distinction of being the last woman hanged in New Hampshire. She died for what was found inside this quilt, and some say she's haunted the South Street Cemetery ever since due to a grave injustice.
2: Hello, I'm Jeff Belanger. And I'm Ray Osier, and welcome to the New England Legends Podcast, where each week we explore the history, legends, and lore of the Northeast. All right, I guess my first question is, why is she haunting the cemetery, and what was found in that quilt? That's two questions. I know, I'm sorry. I'll probably have much more, too. But let's start at the beginning.
1: Okay, when we're talking about a ghost story, it's best to start at the end. And that's why we're here at the museum, to see this quilt. If the quilt is real, then it adds a lot more credence to Ruth
2: Blay's story and ghost. So let's set the stage. Ruth Bley's story begins in 1768. Ruth was a 25-year-old schoolteacher and beloved in the town of Portsmouth. Until? Until? Until she got pregnant out of wedlock. In those days, that was absolutely scandalous. She concealed the pregnancy from most people, but a few knew. And even before the days of Facebook, people talked. You have to understand all the dirty looks she would have received as her belly grew, how parents of school children would question whether she was fit to teach their kids, how she would be shunned by the church and community. Ruth's life was ruined forever.
1: And no one knew how short that life would be on June 10th, 1768. Well, what happened on June 10th? On June 10th, Ruth Blay gave birth to a baby girl. But according to Ruth, the baby was stillborn. So she wrapped the infant in a quilt and placed it in a nearby barn, we assume to bury it later when she was in a better mental and physical state. But just three days after, five-year-old Betsy Pettengill of Salisbury was visiting her uncle who owned the barn. She went exploring, as kids often do, and found this quilt in the corner. She unwrapped it and was horrified by what she found.
2: I can't imagine what that must have been like for a
1: five-year-old. So what happened next? Betsy Pettengill lived to be 105 years old and claimed even in her old age that what she saw in that quilt that day has haunted her ever since. After the dead infant was discovered, people quickly suspected Ruth Blay. Some knew she was pregnant. And when they went to her home, they saw she was no longer with child and no infant could be found. Blake intended the child was stillborn, and she was waiting to give it a
2: proper burial. But English laws were just not on her side. All right, I'm reading the charges against her here. It says, and I quote, concealing the birth of a bastard child so that it might not come to light, whether said child was born alive or not. Under British law, this crime comes with the death penalty. Ruth spent the
1: rest of the summer in jail until the fall when she was tried and convicted. Judge Wiseman Claggett decreed the hanging should take place November 24th.
2: Well, this seems pretty harsh if the baby really was stillborn.
1: The people of Portsmouth felt the same way, Ray, and no one was happy about this young woman losing her life considering the circumstances. The complaints made their way all the way up to the governor's office. Provincial Governor John Wentworth deferred Blay's execution until December 9th. And then she was issued another reprieve until December 23rd. And then finally, it was decided December 30th would be her day of execution. The hanging was to take place at the gallows that were erected on the corner of what is now South Street and Sagamore Avenue in Portsmouth. But the story gets worse for poor Ruth.
2: How could it get worse
1: than facing the gallows? Read this from the June 5th, 1971 Portsmouth Herald
2: describing what happened next. All right. It says, the warrant for execution read between 12 and 2 o'clock, December 30th, but the 12 has been crossed out, and 10 was inserted. Why would somebody change the time? The rumor was that it was
1: Sheriff Thomas Packer who changed the times. Well, why did he do that? Sheriff Packer had recently boasted that he would be hanging the third woman of his career. He'd already hanged Sarah Simpson and Penelope Kenny in 1739 for the murder of a child and a man, and now Ruth Blay would be his third. He moved the time earlier because he wanted to get home in time for dinner so
2: that it wouldn't get cold. <laughs> That's horrible! I'm reading some eyewitness accounts of the hanging that say, Ruth Blay shrieked and screamed on the way to the gallows. The assembled crowd could only look on in horror as she stood on a horse-drawn carriage. The rope was placed around her neck, and then the horse was whipped, sending him into a trot, pulling the cart out from under Ruth Blay and snapping her neck.
1: Ruth Blay was hanged at 10 a.m., two hours earlier than the court decree. At 10.30 a.m., a messenger on horseback raced to the gallows with another reprieve from the governor. Had the
2: execution time not been moved, Ruth Blay may have lived. Well, this makes me furious that a sheriff would value his dinner over doing his job when it comes to the life of a person who really was a victim of circumstance more than anything.
1: It made the townspeople furious as well. That night, an angry mob gathered by Sheriff Packer's house and hanged an effigy of the sheriff with a sign that read, Am I to lose my dinner? This woman for to hang? Come draw away the cart, my boys. Don't stop to say amen. Was the sheriff ever punished? No, he wasn't. He lived out to a ripe old age and died wealthy. He's buried in North Union Cemetery.
2: The 1971 Portsmouth Herald article mentions that the infamous quilt made it into the Portsmouth Historical Society's collection. And here it is now in storage. Also, I noticed that we haven't mentioned the father of Ruth Blay's bastard child once.
1: No, we haven't. I found no record of who he was. He isn't mentioned or deemed relevant.
2: This is the part that's most infuriating to me. Ruth Blay was unjustly hanged by the sheriff, who was more concerned with his dinner than following the law or doing the right thing. It's systematic sexism using lethal means. No wonder her ghost still haunts us.
1: I agree. And we should continue this story over at the corner of South Street and Sagamore Avenue.
2: Okay, we're here. Tell me what you see. Uh, Let's see. I see a pretty large cemetery and a small pond just down a slight hill. Though locals call this South Street Cemetery, it's actually five cemeteries in one.
1: One is called Elmwood, another Harmony Grove, there's Proprietors Burying Ground, Sagamore, and Cotton. But we're mainly concerned of the area of Proprietors Burying Ground and Harmony
2: Grove. If the gallows were right here, I'm guessing that means Ruth Blay's grave is over there? Records
1: indicate Ruth Blay was buried in an unmarked grave just north of that pond in the vicinity of modern-day Proprietors Burying Ground and Harmony Grove. She doesn't even get a proper burial? No, she doesn't. But her hanging would serve as the last public hanging of a woman in New Hampshire. The public didn't have the stomach for it after Ruth Blay, and society changed. Twenty-five years after her death, lawmakers ruled that
2: concealment would no longer be punishable by death. All right, fast forward to 1971, and the Portsmouth Historical Society receives a donation of this infamous quilt for their museum. And now the local cemetery is haunted.
1: I think most old cemeteries earn a ghostly reputation at some point. That often has more to do with the living than the dead. If you were a ghost and you could
2: haunt anywhere, I mean, would you choose to haunt a cemetery? No way! I'd be haunting the front row of the best concert venues, or maybe the 50-yard line at Gillette. I'm with you there, but when
1: you walk into a cemetery, you can't help but think about your own mortality. There are countless bones beneath your feet, and you know deep inside of you that this place right here is your ultimate destination. Even if not this particular cemetery, you're heading for a boneyard at
2: some point, just like these fellow travelers to the grave who arrived here ahead of you. That fear, I'm sure, makes us more open to all things ghostly. But there's another wrinkle at South Street Cemetery. The hangman's gallows were once right here, and Ruth Blay was killed in this spot, and her body lies somewhere nearby. Honestly, I'm getting shivers just thinking about it. People have reported strange ghostly lights in this boneyard, Sometimes witnesses say they've heard the
1: shrieks and cries of Ruth Blay in the breeze, especially on winter's days like this one. Well, she truly does haunt us. As well she should. Sometimes society fails its people. What was done to Ruth was the worst kind of oppression and sexism to women. Had she not tried to conceal her pregnancy and stillborn child, she would have been completely ruined in her community. She wouldn't be able to work, live, or even feed herself. By trying to hide the pregnancy and stillborn child, she at least had a chance If you think about it, she was
2: facing the death penalty either way. Every Thursday, we bring you a new installment of the New England Legends podcast. And if you visit our website at ournewenglandlegends.com, you can find pictures and more information on each episode. You can even post comments and send us story suggestions.
1: At our website, you can also watch segments from my New England Legends television series on PBS
2: and Amazon Prime. Until next time, remember, the bizarre is closer than you think.
3: Oh, that was long.
4: Yes, it was. (laughs) Oh, my goodness.
3: Anyways, Roxy, you ever heard that before?
4: I know that story all too well.
3: You do, huh?
5: I do it's actually one of the stops on our haunted trolley tour when we do our spirits of the past we bring everybody over to the cemetery just a, a couple of footnotes to the story Ruth in the barn were actually not in Portsmouth uh, she was from Southampton New Hampshire so it, it didn't happen in the city ah, of Portsmouth so okay. there's it, it's a little erroneous there but you, you know I'll said and done it's totally fine I don't know we um, like to
3: have accuracy so that's that's important
5: So it it is true, you know, she she was hung December 31st, 1768. It's also important to note, though, at that time, there were over 700 crimes that were punishable by death. You could steal someone's horse and be put to the gallows as well. So it it wasn't as though she was being singled out. I mean, that was, you know, part of the law back in the day. There was a law against everything, and if they chose to push it to the limit, they of course could could charge you as many times as they want because there was no double jeopardy laws either so mm-hmm. there's there's other little facets that go into into her story that you know she she just wasn't singled out um right the, the grounds themselves definitely have a lot of ghost stories um some some are thought to be related to Ruth Blay, but there's also several other spirits in the cemetery as well. So there's there's a lot of other layers to the story. It's a it's a good outline
3: of um of her <clears> tale.
4: <throat> you have to wonder why she didn't name the father.
3: Maybe she didn't know.
4: Ah, oh, come on, really?
3: Oh, seriously. She in, could that day, drunk.
4: in that day and
3: age? She could have been drunk. Could
4: have got a date rate pill. Who oh, no.
3: knows?
4: Yeah, Um. okay. When? <laughs> 1768?
3: Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. Could put right. a bag yeah. over her head for all I know. Oh, oh I, I can't. So oh, that's. I can't even. I have no
3: words. I have no words.
4: I have no words Yeah. for that.
3: Anyway. Carry on. That was good.
4: I told you I have no words.
3: Oh, that's so it. We've okay, to talk about something else. <laughs> okay, moving right along. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Roxy, uh, that, that's the one thing uh, that I love about Roxy's and her trolley tours and walking tours that she has so many stories like that in the town of Portsmouth and uh, city of Portsmouth and there's there's tons of stories there and and you keep getting them, don't you, Roxy? I, th-
5: there's really no shortage. Like I, I, every year, I think I reach like my limit. I'm like, okay. I must have every possible ghost story about every building because because I see so many people. It's like there just there can't be another one. And um, you, you just – you never know. I went to to do a history talk at a local convalescent home. Trust me, not the first place I would knock on the door and say, hey, do you guys have any ghosts? Yeah. And when I finished doing my – because it's the last stop for people. I mean, you know, it's – God's waiting man. I hate to say that. <laughs> yeah, they, they check in, they don't Sorry. check out. <laughs> no, it's true, it's true. So, Linus you know, mo, I would, yeah? how, I mean, how would you even approach that? So when I went and did the talk, the woman um, said to me, she says, you know, she says, if you're interested, she says, like, you know, I've got something to give you. And I, I said, sure. I said, you know, what do you got? And she handed me a file folder, and there were 40 years of handwritten on green paper of ghost stories about that location. Oh, my God. From staff, residents. Wow. uh, Volunteers. I could not believe the volume of ghost stories about this building that I passed all the time on tours, but, you know, never would stop to ask. And and when I looked over them, I saw there were definitely some stories that were repeated in different times, in different spaces in the building. And I, I quickly asked. I said, so. If you're going to give me these stories, is it okay with you if I share these stories And their response was that they actually thought it was more common knowledge that their building was haunted, and they had no problem sharing those stories. I was like, oh my god i had I had no idea so a, a funny thing happened with that of course, of course in this line of work, a funny thing always happens mm-hmm. um i was I was sharing uh one of the stories, and it's about. Um, a little girl who would often appear on a resident's bed late at night the day before they were going to die. Oh. And it was almost like a portent of things to come. Like oh. staff would see this little girl, and they knew that that resident wasn't going to survive. Oh, that's and like the, this, that's this
3: like went, the uh, Connecticut uh, uh, home cat, the one the cat used to always go and visit the person just before they died, too.
5: Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah, mm. So that's a that's so, as well, yeah. So when, when I looked at this account of a little girl, it went, you know, all the way back to the 1960s, they'd list the floor and the room number and the time of day and who was on staff and all of that. So when, when we redid the trolley tour last year, because we, we always update the routes with, with, you know, more stories, we had stopped in front and there was a woman who was sitting on, on the tour and she heard me tell that story about this little girl sitting on the bed. And she's like, I've got to talk to you after the tour. I said, okay, so we finish up the trolley tour. We're, we're back over um, in the center of town. And she says, well, she says, you just helped me. And I, I says, I did. She says, well, we were, you know, when we were in front of the convalescent home, she says, my mother was a resident of that home a couple of years ago. She said she suffered from dementia, and she ended up having a stroke, and she couldn't talk. And she knew, you know, she, she didn't have too much longer to go. Well, she said all of a sudden, she says one day she got a call from a convalescent home that said your mother's talking, and she wants to speak to you. Oh, my God. She gets on the phone. Wow. And she, says, she, says, she says, I'm coming to see you. So as soon as she got on the phone to tell her, you know, I'll be there, I'm coming, I'm leaving work, all her mother kept saying is, the little girls come. I saw the little girl. The little girls come. Oh. So next, next thing you know, she goes. She shows up. She sees her mom. Her mom says nothing else while she's there, and she passed away the same day. Oh, I got goosebumps. Wow. And she said, for the past couple of years since that happened, she says, I had no idea who this little girl was. She's like, you know, she doesn't have a little granddaughter. There's, you know, really no kids in the building. And that was really the only thing she said before she died is, a little girl's come, a little girl came to see me. Oh. And she says, now it all makes sense to me.
4: That's amazing. That's. that's- that, that That went in my category yeah. of freaky deaky for sure. Yes. Who could imagine that happening? You know, she didn't even speak.
3: Do mm-hmm. we and, know who the little girl was?
4: Well, when we look at when we
5: look at the history of the of the house, it's the Mark Wentworth home. So it's um, it's a beautiful 18th century home, and it's been a convalescent home since like the 1920s. Um, Mark Wentworth was the last British royal governor um, because Portsmouth was Portsmouth was the capital of New Hampshire for a very long time. And during the American Revolution, uh, the Sons of Liberty, the Patriots, came over to the house, and they rolled a cannon up to the front door, and they opened fire on the house with him and his family inside. And he had servants and everything. And, in fact, if you visit the house today, just kind of a footnote to that, in the front room, there's still shot in the wall. Oh, wow. If, If you look, there's all holes and shot in the wall for when they opened fire on the house. So Governor Wentworth took his family, and they hopped in a boat, made their way out the South Mill Pond, and went up to Canada. And the poor guy couldn't catch a break. His, his wife left him in Canada, and he went back to England as she would man. And um, his house was looted and ransacked. And oh, my. There, there were a lot of issues in the house over, over the, the following years and um, finally it was it was left to be a convalescent home so um, it's next to the pleasant street cemetery which is our third oldest cemetery in portsmouth which backs right up to the building there um, it goes back to the 1700s which is also has a lot of ghostly sightings as well or maybe we'll uh, talk a little bit about home.
3: those maybe we'll talk a little bit about those when we come back from the break cuz we're going to take a break right sure. now so anyways and you're listening to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Ann Carrigan and Ron Culloch and our very special guest, Roxy Zwicker of New England Curiosities. And we'll be right back after the following messages right here on TojiNet and Pararex Radio.
0: an oasis in this hectic world.
4: back to ghost chronicles next generation with ron and ann and our special guest this evening roxy's wicker
3: there you go Yay. yeah and just before the break we we're talking a little bit about uh the uh, uh governor uh and his house and the cannon that got shot in it, and you were mentioned it's by the pond i believe and, and cemetery is that the same one that yep. uh, that other
5: uh, woman was buried in? No, the um, the Pleasant Street Cemetery is a a, a little s- small, skinny cemetery. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually older than the South Cemetery, and it's kind, oh, of, okay. it's kind of hidden on Pleasant Street, um, mm-hmm. and it backs up to the South Mill Pond. So, a, a, a couple of of additions to to that story. So, South Mill Pond was the the site of a. Indian or Native American incident that happened out there when the folks in Portsmouth had signed a truce with the natives that, you know, they weren't going to battle it out anymore because we had 11 Indian raids in the 1690s in the city. Yeah. So they they signed this truce and next thing you know, the natives are out there and they're on the pond and some rowdy Portsmouth folk went by and they opened fire on the Native Americans around the pond and actually killed some of them, including a child. Uh, So uh we have that story right behind the governor's house. And then, of course, the Pleasant Street Cemetery, which is interesting in the respect that there's a lot of sea captain's gravestones that are there and families and a lot of children's graves there, too. But you never know unless you went back. And did the research because there's nothing on the stones or markers to tell you that the gravestones are in name only for the sea captains. That a lot of them actually died at sea back in the late 18th century. So you just have the stones. So we we found a lot of children wandering the cemetery there, um, which is kind of funny because the, the, the Governor Wentworth House is right next door to it. So there's um, there's a lot of layers of ghost stories and a lot of layers of history right in that same spot and to sit I mean it, it took me I can't tell you how long just to read through all these pages of incidents that, that were happening at the Governor Whatworth that, that are still happening. Um, mm-hmm. they hear a child trapped in the giant grandfather clock in the house oh. and huh. the child the child screams, I can't get out, I can't breathe, help me, help me oh in God. the middle of night at two o'clock in the morning and there's nobody there. Wow. But staff and residents hear this child screaming in the clock. There was another resident who always showed up for lunch, you know, every day, 12 o'clock, first one in the seat. And when lunch came one day, she wasn't there. And they're looking around. They went back to her room. They started a search of the building in the house. And they got up to the main section of the house. And there's a little beauty salon there. The salon was not open, but the door to the salon was open. So they went in, and there was nobody there, but they noticed the back door in the salon was open. So Uh they went through the salon to the back door, and that's where the servant staircase is. that goes up to the servant's quarters. And there was the resident sitting on the stairs, cool and calm as could be, and told staff that she was waiting for a little servant girl to come back downstairs. She told her to wait on the stairs, and she had something to show her. (laughs)
4: Huh. <laughs> oh my goodness!
3: That's, That's
4: so yeah, yeah. It, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's um, it's really cool because I I just learned about this place over the last year. That is amazing. You know, you could probably write a whole book just about this one place, given all those stories, probably, right? Probably, There's probably. Yeah. But yep, another absolutely. book, <laughs> book number three, you're going to work <laughs> on in the next year. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> Oh my goodness! You know
3: what's funny, Rocky, is is when we do the uh, haunted tours at the lighthouse. We always have different spirits pop in, and it's it's not your usual suspects. At, at, at times, is this we find these like sometimes a, a woman uh, or a child from Portsmouth that that drop in, and uh, I wonder. It, it, it's not that they're they're haunting the fort at all. I think it's just because someone's trying to contact the other side, and they just want to be heard. They just want their story told.
5: I'm a firm believer in that completely. I mean, I, I know, no no pun intended, but I mean, the lighthouse itself is is a beacon for spirits, and if you're out there, you know, on a big scale with a, with a lot of people trying to make that contact, you're going to get all of these drop ins. It happens to us. All the time when we, we do seances or walking through these buildings, it's like, I don't know who this ghost is, but here they are. But we're out there trying to make that contact. So, yeah, right. that happens. I see it all the time.
4: Mm-hmm. Well, it makes sense because, I mean, if you – how many times have we been to, like, uh, an evening with a, a platform reading with a medium? And, I mean, you never know who's going to come through, so why does it – why would it make a difference in a, an investigation. You know what I mean?
3: Right.
4: hmm It's all the same thing.
3: I believe we have a, uh, question for, uh, Roxy in the chat room.
4: We, we do. And, uh, ghost girl is wondering if Roxy has ever seen a ghost on her tours. Oh, God. <laughs> which, which, which story. Could mm-hmm. Be?
5: Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, God. Uh, well, I mean, famously, and we, we probably talked about it at nauseam on, um, uh, ghost Chronicles Morning Edition and we do talk about it here too is um, of course Molly Malone's, and um, we, Ron you and I, we did the radio show there one night with Maureen and one of the things that I remember that, that freaks me out that I actually saw was the gentleman who was sitting in the chair mm-hmm. after you put up the $2 to entice the, the ghost yep. to come out because it's a, a former
4: brothel and in
5: looking right. at $2, Fox, dollars.
3: Monitor, $2 Dewey's Wow, <laughs> oh.
4: you're on a roll tonight, man. Okay, keeps true. Going. Yeah, totally. It's
3: true. <laughs> um, I checked on it because we wanted to be historically accurate. No, it, it was true. It was
5: it was it was two dollars. It was a dollar for the house and a dollar for the lady in yeah, exactly. the nineteenth century exactly. in the city. So I, I mean, we have inflation now, but we were we're bringing it back to the to the time frame. Right. So okay. what was what was. <laughs> What was funny about that is in looking at the man who was sitting in the chair and he reached out his hand and he yelped and said somebody was sitting in his lap, you could actually see on the monitor the folds of a dress that almost looked like a curtain from his knees down. So you could see that you couldn't see his legs, but you could see the remnants of a dress in front of his legs. And clearly there was nobody that was sitting there, but you could see it on the monitor, which was really amazing. I mean, it, t- wow. it was it was crystal clear. So um, that's one that that always stays with me is that you could just see a portion
3: of who was there.
4: Hmm.
3: Hmm. Yeah, my two bucks and I didn't get
4: anything. Oh well.
3: I was irritated.
4: Sucks to be you. Uh, <laughs> uh,
3: Whatever. Not gonna go
4: there. <laughs> You've probably seen a lot of ghosts on your tours you know we do but it's always um it, it's always
5: unexpected and I, I think that's that's kind of the rub you know people people will come and they'll be like okay you know how many how many ghosts am I gonna see I brought my camera you know I oh. all the ghost <laughs> shows
6: and then them up light them you
5: know, up I know, <laughs> I know exactly <laughs> I'm like I don't even know where the planets are aligned I don't even know if the ghosts are gonna like you but um when it happens it's it's when you least expect it. Um, I mean, certainly the Point of Graves in Portsmouth, our very old cemetery that I never get enough of, of talking about. Um, we've definitely, you know, there's, there's been a little girl there that's peeked her head out from behind the gravestones, and then you walk behind the stone and there's nobody there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's a black cat that appears and then disappears when we're in the cemetery as well. And, and you, you keep your eyes right on it, and then it's gone. So um, we, we've definitely had instances in there where not only myself, but people on the tour have seen it. And then it's funny in that same group of people, you'll get the people that see a little girl, and then you'll get some of the people in the group that are looking at the same thing and they don't see anything. So half of us mm. see her and half of us don't. Right. So it's um, it, it's funny how that happens as well.
4: Hmm. I would probably be in the don't half. I don't know why. <laughs> I so <bad>. the don't. <laughs> I'd like to see the little girl. I want to see the little girl, but I won't see her. Ah, I don't know why. It just happens. Oh, <laughs> yeah, right. What do you? What about you, Ron? You think you'd see the little girl?
3: Have I seen the little girl?
4: Would you see the little? Would you be in the half that saw her? Oh, no. Or The half that wouldn't.
3: Who knows if I was supposed to see her? I'd see her. That's the way I look at it. I, I think the paranormal is uh, is pretty much a personal experience. It's it's meant to for the person that experiences, and that's why some people don't see in the same you know same location, same time, and everything else. Somebody will see a spirit, and somebody won't. I think it's it's meant for that particular piece person. All right,
4: and there's hope that my day is coming.
3: Oh, okay, so go ahead.
4: Go ahead. <laughs> no, I just I always, you know, I'm I'm waiting to see my to see a ghost to see something.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: It's because I but haven't seen said, it.
3: You've, you've investigated a lot. And you've yes, I experiences. have. Experiences.
4: I've had experiences, but I have never seen an honest to god ghost, an apparition. Uh huh. I haven't okay. seen it. Okay. I'm
3: waiting. Well, maybe you will. Maybe. So. I hope so. Anyway, we have another one of those clips, and this one's a little shorter, thank God. Uh, But I think it will interest both of you, because I know you both had experience with this particular clip and with this uh, event. Uh, So, Roy, if, if we have that, can we play that now, please?
2: Ray, take a look at this photograph and tell me what you see. That's a boulder of some kind. Looks like it might be part of a stone wall. That's true. But look here and here on the boulder. All right. Well, that looks like a triangle or an arrowhead shape. And the other almost looks like a human footprint. This rock in Manchester, Maine
1: is said to contain the fossilized footprint of the devil himself. Jeff Belanger
2: and I'm Ray Osher, and we're on the hunt for the devil in this week's episode of the New England Legends podcast. All right, I can see how the triangle might be considered kind of like a cloven hoof, but the other print looks more human, and it looks like that human stepped in mud. Maybe slipped a bit. We should mention that if you go to our website, ournewenglandlegends.com, we posted the picture of the rock, so you can follow along, see it for yourself. Just click on this episode.
1: The devil's been depicted in many different forms over the centuries. The cloven, hooved figure goes all the way back to Greek mythology. The god Pan had the legs and feet of a goat, the upper body of a man, and horns on his head. He's the god of the wild, and he's often depicted holding a musical instrument.
2: Ah, that's where they got the Pan flute from.
1: It is indeed. And the Greeks also considered Pan to be the god of impulsiveness, which is where we get the word Pan...
2: Pan... Mm. Panic!
1: Panic. Yes, the word panic. It's kind of a tribute to the god Pan. So in early Christianity, making the connection from the devil to a pan-like creature really wasn't much of a leap. So what brought
2: the devil to Manchester, Maine?
1: Now that's a good question. The story of the devil's footprint would have to take place sometime around 1792 or 1793. We place the story there because the nearby North Manchester Meeting House was built in 1793. So this story would have to take place during the construction. The legend goes... Workers were clearing the road and the land to build that meeting house and the graveyard next door. And as they were digging, they hit this large boulder.
2: And anyone who's ever put a shovel in the ground in New England knows we have plenty of rocks. Very true. But this
1: rock seemed to be immovable. The story goes that one of the men working on the construction was so frustrated with this immovable rock that he stood on top of it and proclaimed he would sell his soul to the devil if the boulder could be moved. The next day, when the builders arrived for work, they found the man who made the sinister proclamation now gone. And that boulder, it had been moved out of the way to where it sits today as part of this stone wall. The only evidence left behind are two footprints, one of the devil himself, the other of the worker, who no doubt tried to get away, but couldn't. Now, as I look at this picture again, it does look like somebody painted the the prints red. They have. This legend draws in visitors from all over, and the paint helps you quickly find what you're looking for when you're near the meeting house.
2: Now, why do early New Englanders have such a fascination with the devil? His name comes up a lot from Salem, of course, his purgatory chasm in Sutton, Massachusetts, the devil's backbone in Bristol, Connecticut, devil's Glen Park in Weston, Connecticut. Why would you name so many things after a creature you fear? Ray, I think we
1: need the devil. We always have. Fearing this preternatural creature helps keep our moral compass in check. If we name places after him, it's a reminder that he's always nearby.
2: And in New England, we don't let the past go easily. It's not lost on me that the devil's footprint rock sits next to a church.
1: A church that's still in use to this day. That rock, in its legend, has a moral for the faithful. Sell your soul to the devil and you'll get what you want. But
2: at a price, you might not want to pay. And only in New England, Jeff, would a New Englander sell his soul to move a rock. Got a story you want to share with us? Email us. Or if you want to hear a past podcast episode, go to our website, ournewenglandlegends.com and find it all. Plus,
1: you can check out more stories like these on my television series, also called New England Legends. Episodes are
2: available on Amazon Prime. Until next week, remember, the Bazaar is closer than you think.
4: Alrighty then. So I'm looking at a picture of this rock right now.
3: Yeah.
4: At our dot com. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> there you go. In case we haven't plugged it enough. Um,
3: hey, it's a cost for these little. Clips, I you
4: know. I'm not seeing the man's footprint. Maybe it's just me. Mm-hmm. I see the little pointy toad.
3: Well, um, you also don't see ghosts, so. That's all I yeah.
4: Can okay. Where's the guy's footprint? Which which?
3: I don't know. I'm not there. So Roxy, have you heard
4: the story? It should be.
3: <laughs> have you heard
5: the story, Roxy? I I I have heard that story and um, have you ever seen the it rock? Takes place in Central- I, I haven't been up to that rock. Um, I've been to the Devil's Footprint in Ipswich, Massachusetts, uh-huh. Which is right around the same time frame from seventeen forty. Got um, around, didn't he? I, I Devil? Do- he well, yes. of course he's everywhere. Yes. <laughs> um, what, what what they didn't talk about is all the ghostly sightings that are seen um, in the cemetery behind the the North Manchester Meeting House. Really, uh, people have, have have described seeing a full bodied apparition of a woman in white. There's uh, stories about people who will sit next to the cemetery, even you know on on a, a you know a non humid night, and their windows and their cars. Fog up. Uh, a lot yeah, of paranormal yeah. groups I go and check called. out the space as well. Oh, stop it! <laughs> stop it, Mister Two Dollar Dewey. Yeah, uh, right. But I mean, there's there's lots of levels of ghost stories. Does it have something to do with the deal that he made? The way the way I had heard the story is that the devil and this man met toe to toe on the rock.
3: Uh-huh.
5: So that's that's the way the the two imprints on the rock have
4: met. Hmm.
3: Mm. Okay. That's the thing about these things is is they're stories, and and uh, they may be based on facts, but as the uh, depending who you hear them from, or where you get them from, they they do vary. Uh, and they do. Yeah.
5: In Ipswich, the the story was about a devil that he would hide behind the mirror that hung in the pulpit of the church. And while the minister was ministering to the congregation, the devil would be behind him, almost mocking him. So one day the minister turned around, which just happened to be this minister, George Whitefield, who's pretty famous name on the North Shore, <coughs> and he took him and he threw him off the steeple of the church. And when you stand out in front of the church, you'll see a marking very similar to the the one that we were just talking about behind the meeting house in the ground, in the rock, and it looks like a devil's hoof print. And uh, that, that story has been part of Ipswich history, I mean, ever, ever since
4: 1740. Wow. They just yeah. grabbed that devil by the scruff of his neck, that dragged him up to the do. steeple, him by the
5: horn and fling him.
4: Yeah. Flung off the steeple. Good.
3: That's there you awesome. go. So... Off. You know, Ro- uh, Roxy uh, told us on the morning show uh, about the, uh, I can't remember the name of the church in there, and the, the minister uh, I th- and the head or something. Can you, does this come back to you? I can't remember the details exactly.
5: Minister in a head?
3: Yeah, is there like a white stone or something that's in the church and blah, 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 blah. Oh, God.
5: I think you dropped it. Was it the minister in the arm in Newburyport?
3: Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. It's close. Arm, head. Arm, (laughs) head. It doesn't matter. Body pot. Body pot is the key thing. So we do do, do give us a little synopsis of that so that I already mucked it up anyways. Mm -hmm. (laughs)
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can. Um, So this story comes from Newburyport. And you can actually find it in um, my Massachusetts book of the dead, and it's about uh, the minister of the church whose name is escaping me. Give me a second to remember it. Um, and he You're was buried right. <laughs> you got the right body part. <laughs> um, So he was buried right in the basement of the church. So they had it so you could actually view his arm as well as his entire body, and his arm was closest to the window where you would walk by. So it just so happens that someone went by and decided that they were going to, when no one was looking, remove the arm from the corpse and Ew. take it with him.
3: There you go. God, so, no, why? So my why? Cabin, because it ends up in my cabin in the curiosity. Oh, my God. Oh my God. <laughs> so, <laughs> I didn't know you had the arm. It was, it was fantastic. my so, iguana. My heart's iguana. He
4: took it. Yep. <laughs> so, um, the
5: man was from overseas and he was from England. And nobody could find the arm. The decision was made to to finally close off the grave where nobody could have access to the body, and sometime later, was it the man's ghost, or was it just his conscience finally got the best of him? He decided to package up the arm and <laughs> put it on one of the next ships going back over to Newburyport, oh. and it's now down back in the, the basement of the church with the minister there, but yeah, his
4: arm was, was stolen, ripped right off his body. He just thought he'd bring it home to England.
5: Yeah. For chuckles again. He thought he would bring
4: it home. <laughs> I the grim, grim man.
3: Yeah, was uh, hmm. yep. as bad as having a nun, nun's uh, jawbone. You know what I'm saying? Hmm. Hmm. Anyway, I'll agree with that. I don't know who has that? But uh, anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, the, the, the the paranormal is so intriguing. There's so many great stories out there. They're, they they vary a lot of them are alike, you know, like the Hitchhiker story, the haunted Hitchhike story. I mean, that's all over the world. That's not just in right. the Torter Triangle. Uh and, and you know, stories like uh um what's the name? Uh, the one up in uh, the cemetery in Chicago. Mary Bloody, Bloody Mary. No, not Bloody Mary, but um uh, Yes, 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 yes. The
4: one, yeah, she gets a ride
3: for the people. That's stories in various forms all throughout the thing. Yes. So it, it's intriguing. Why do you think that is, Roxy? Why do we have these? I mean, we have, you know, individual stories that are very unique, but then we have this these stories that you can take and put them anywhere, and everybody knows them, even though they're different names or different places. They all know the story.
5: Because it's part of our culture as, as a society. I mean, anywhere you go, in in the world, it, it doesn't matter. You know, from from you know the, the deepest parts of South America, there are stories about ghosts in our culture. So we're naturally going to. I mean, I have not met a person that has not heard a ghost story, and some are definitely much more intriguing than others to some people, and those are the ones that, that linger, and those are the ones that we remember. I mean, how, we've talked about it, too, you you and I, about how many, you know, women in white are there that are oh, out yeah. there, and everybody, right. you know, gets this in their mind about this woman in white and, the, you know, this lost soul that she is. It's um, it, It's, you know, it intrigues us on so many levels that we remember. I mean, for... For me, it was just going on field trips as a kid in, in school in Massachusetts, and you're in these old places, and I make no bones about it, no pun intended. Yeah. When I was a kid, and I'd always ask, I'm like, wow, that's such great history. Is there like a ghost story here? Mm-hmm, and there, mm-hmm. I mean, nine times out of ten, there was. Right. I mean, so it's it, we're... I mean, we're so used to it as part of everyday life. You know, you hear about it, or you pass that old house, or it's just—it's so intriguing. We get to know, you know, one ghost over another.
3: But it's more acceptable now because of all the stupid shows on TV. But <laughs> uh, you know, back not too long ago, in the past, you know, if you mentioned ghosts, everybody would poo-poo you. And but now there seems to be, whoops. Do which means pizza from the dead, here. By the way, you know, if, I, you ever, if, if they ever build a wall, you know, the Mexican border, think about that. That could protect us from the zombie apocalypse. Apocalypse? apocalypse. Yeah. yeah, it could happen. Apocalypse. That too. So, anyways, yep, that's like that. yep. That's the one. That's the one.
4: No. So, okay.
3: So anyways, we, that is the time when we have to be saying goodbye. But anyways, uh, Roxy, if somebody wanted to find out more about you and, and all the great classes you run, your, your trolley tours and your walking tours, uh, where could they find that?
5: You can go to our website, com. You can also go to our Facebook page. Um, I do a newsletter every month where I write up some of the latest ghost stories I've heard. So you can uh, subscribe to our newsletter, too. We have um, an event coming up next month, February 17th, um, in Portsmouth at the West End Theater if you want to learn more about ghosts and how to communicate with them. Or you can listen to me and Ron on Monday mornings,
4: too. This is true. That's right. That's right. Awesome.
3: Yeah, and uh, so I guess that's about it, right? Anything you want to add, Ian?
4: I don't think so. I just, uh, well, I do want to mention that we have our live broadcast next week, next Wednesday, our live video broadcast. Uh, EB Cam, I believe, unless Uh, Van Helsing moves it to the 31st. But. We're we're looking at next Wednesday.
3: And we also want to mention, speaking of that, uh, February 13th, 14th, and 15th, you get uh, four guests, four hosts for the price of one uh, Ann Carrigan, myself, uh, Steve Parson, and Marla Brooks from Stir in the Cauldron. We are doing a three uh, day thing on sad ghost stories uh love love for long go broken hearted side i don't right. know we have to pop something just in time for valentine's day awesome. so you can listen you can listen that uh on the international show uh, at tuesdays at three o'clock on the 13th and then and and i show the seven o'clock on wednesday the 14th valentine's day that's sweet and then finally uh ended up with mala brooks on thursday at nine o'clock on power x so there you go we got so, We got to go i know we want to thank everybody for uh, listening we want to thank roxy zicker for zicker for all her insight and uh Boy, I need some more drinks. Uh, yeah. so anyways, <laughs> till then, good night and God bless, and uh there you go.
4: Good night, everybody. Thanks for listening.
6: From goalies to ghosties, long-legged beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.